0: Today's Your Stories is brought to you by the Second City Training Center. Find your funny this week with a $20 improv drop-in class at the Second City Training Center in Chicago. Your first drop-in is on us. Use the code TESTDRIVE for a free improv drop-in any Sunday at 7 p.m. For more information, go to secondcity.com tc or call 312-664-3959 to register.
1: Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd.
2: You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different, uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups.
3: Your Stories to me has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked.
2: Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdologues is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. (laughs)
0: Hey everybody, I'm Eric Arno, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. After a couple weeks of archival dives for Valentine's Day, we're back with new material today, recorded last night at the lovely Logan Theater. And as you probably guessed, it is our annual Fan Fiction February celebration, now in its sixth year. This episode, we've got storytellers Chels Harvey and David Carter, a special performance from Punchline, the Hero of a Thousand Laughs, and music from myself dwight hassler katie johnston smith and becca brown who was back in town and joined us on stage again for the show uh we missed you becca so good to have you back for this one next week we'll be back with more music and stories from our fan fiction show including a team story from the folks behind the pot podcast our special guest for the evening Now, we've already got our next Your Stories booked, as it turns out. That'll be Sunday, March 18th at Challengers Comics. The theme is Kayfabe, which may sound familiar to wrestling fans out there. Uh, In fact, we'll be featuring a handful of actual wrestlers, like Chicago's favorite son, Colt Cabana, plus the podcast Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling, and some other fantastic performers. It's going to be a real fun time. Info on that show's up on nerdologs.com and our Facebook page. Uh, now, we're also celebrating our 8th anniversary as the Sketch Group, which is something I talked about in the live portion of this episode. So, like, maybe come hang out at our party on March 10th. It's going to be super fun. Uh, we'll have more details on that forthcoming very soon. But for now, enjoy the heck out of some fan fiction. we have a different theme of the show. For the last six years, we have been doing a thing called Fan Fiction February, which is an alliterative phrase that sprung from Kevin Reader's lips. Kevin Reader, founder of the uh He just said it randomly one day, and I'm like, damn, Kevin, that should be our February show forever, and it has been. So uh, tonight, we're probably going to hear some fan fiction. We're going to hear some reflections. We're going to hear people fan fictioning themselves, but we're also going to hear music. We always start the show with some songs. Uh, It's really hard to find songs that fit a fan fiction theme, so I'm going to introduce the people who are playing with me, and then we'll talk about how we got there. Starting with uh, this gentleman back here. I have been playing music with him for, God, 10 years now? Uh, We've been in, no, no, you. Stop looking around. We've been in uh, cover bands together, and uh, he's always my right-hand guy. Or, actually, I was his right-hand guy, but now I got the mic, so I call the shots. Please welcome Mr. Dwight Hassler. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Next, we have a wonderful producer in the Chicago comedy scene. She put together a little musical called *The Tend the Tale of Danny Tanner*, a full house musical, very on point for tonight. We're putting it up at C Two E Two in a little bit. Uh, Also, has a musical theater degree. She's a hell of a singer. Please welcome Katie Johnston. Thank you for mentioning my musical theater degree. My mom
4: would
0: love that. There you go, Mrs. Johnston. Uh, And uh, this is very exciting. So. Uh, this woman moved to L.A. last September, and so we haven't performed with her since then, but she's back in town for a few weeks. You can, you could have seen her in Spamilton, you cannot, but you'll be seeing her in some more stuff coming up pretty soon. Uh, you might also remember her from a movie a few years ago. I don't know. Please welcome Becca Brown!
3: So there's School of Rock fanfic, and I
4: found it on Google, and it, I was gonna read it, but it's all so
3: bad, but, like, it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie shook up Katie's yeah. bra and showed her his drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> Becca
4: was what? in school of rock.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's how I brought it
4: up. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I meant to introduce you by saying, cello, it's Becca Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Are you tired of that from, like, everybody in your life? No! <laughs> uh, I'm using this microphone to illustrate that tonight we are amplified, so speakers, please use this when you talk so everyone can hear you. However, we're not going to use it for the music.
4: Good to know. <laughs> yeah.
0: The power of rock will compel us. So, um, God, we've done everything we could think of for fan fiction. We did all the Led Zeppelin songs about Lord of the Rings. There's five of them. Um, We did um, songs that were, um, what, more famous as covers, because covers are a kind of fan fiction. Tonight we're doing, which actually is a great idea, I can't believe we didn't hit on it sooner, songs written for people by other famous people. Um, So this one was written by Bruno Mars, which I, I had no idea was the case. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, made famous by Mr. CeeLo Green. And we're going to sing like mostly the uh, uncensored version, but we're going to censor it just a little. So don't. there's one word that we are not allowed to say, and don't say it when you're singing along. Hopefully you will sing along with the rest of this. Right? Yeah. All right. One, two, three... This was written by the one and only Prince, and famously recorded by uh, the woman who tore up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. We all remember that, right? Is it just yeah. me? That did anyone
4: find her? Did, wasn't she missing for a minute? And yes, she was. She was found? And she
0: was like in the suburbs She's like in
4: Skokie. Yeah.
0: Anyway, are you here right now? Niles
4: North High School. Sinead O'Connor,
0: are you here right now? <laughs> Sinead? <laughs> you can sing this with us if you want. If you want to,
4: but... I might also sing this as myself and like many other like famous celebrities just for funsies. That Katie's gonna scream at me.
0: So this is a kind of fan fiction.
4: This is a fan fiction of me playing everyone that I want to be when I grow up. It's been seven hours.
0: can do like a mean like Ed Kowalczyk so we would do Rainy Day Women number 12 and 35 We would just cycle through like here's the guy from Live here's Fred Schneider it was awesome oh my god do
4: Fred Schneider
0: (laughs) everybody nothing compares to you (laughs) I think we need to do the dude version of this sometime yes Uh, hey you're not just here to listen to our music although we really appreciate that you did We have six storytellers or groups of storytellers tonight who are going to do something relating to the theme of fan fiction. I don't know what that is because we don't screen people here. So, you know, we're going to go on a journey, everybody, starting with uh, this person. uh, We actually met them at uh, Logan, I think was the first time you did this show. So it's pretty appropriate that you're back. Uh, They host a podcast called Sell Me a Pup, which is a really great show that involves describing a piece of not real popular culture. Uh, as though it is real, which is really, really cool. Please welcome to the stage, Chels Harvey.
3: Thank you so much, Professor. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so as you all know, I'm here with the International Guild of Wizarding Marketers. Um, oh, can I move this? Is that allowed? Yes. Can you do it? Thank you. <laughs> so much. Better? I'm very tall. It means I'm better at lying to you. Um, okay, so as you all know, you're students in the marketing program here at Hogwarts. Um, each year we update and modernize what I like to call Quism. Um It's the professional wizarding, uh, intelligent uses of magic. It's our way of marketing and finding marketing demographics to uh, target you with. So this year we thought to ourselves, what's something that... It's kind of a a marginalized group, something that we haven't really had a chance to talk about. And so I'd like to introduce to you this year, the boys who lived. Now, the boys who lived are now in their late 40s and early 50s. Um, These male wizards grew up on chocolate frogs, vomit-flavored beans, and an exaggerated sense of self-importance and bravado. The boys who lived have settled into single-family homes, adopting non-magical hobbies like whittling, cooking, and questioning a young adulthood shaped almost entirely by a deluded yeah. sense of entitlement when it came to breaking rules meant to keep other wizards safe. <laughs> this marketing segment is driven by emotional suppression, selfishness in the name of being the hero, and the secret desire to own the newest, fastest racing room on the recreational Quidditch pitch. The boys who lived use Yelp, listen to alternative music, and tend to seek out draft and micro butter beers in the pub. <laughs> This marketing segment has gone long ignored by society at large, a minority amongst minorities. Raised by muggles, they provide the perfect opportunity for the multicultural marketer capable of appealing to a wizard's curiosity and a muggle's need for social acceptance. Here at Pwism, um, intersectionality isn't just a buzzword. (laughs) The boys who lived have what every wizarding marketer seeks. An enormous fortune left behind by two dead parents and the dull, empty itch to spend it. (laughs) The Boys Who Lived are a new addition to the Marketer's Handbook, intended to build out more realistic, dynamic personas that utilize real data and research. Quism's unique, proprietary blend of gendered stereotypes and ageism-driven insights can arm you, the newest class of wizarding marketers, with the exact demographic target on which to set the sights of your wizarding candy, slick new dress robes, or practical joke spellbook. Mobile marketers aren't the only ones allowed to profit off the vulnerabilities of minority groups, like the boys who live. <laughs> for just 10 galleons a year, you could earn a substantial portion from Pwism's wealth of wizarding demographic data. Thank you, Professor Fizzywig, for letting me visit your class today. And for those interested in learning more about demographic data-driven marketing, find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! That was hard-y.
0: That was real good. I'm Professor Fizziwig, everybody. So... Um, <laughs> That is also a great segue because I I should introduce also our special guest team up for the night. As we tend to do, we're here with the Potterotica podcast. Let's give it up for them. We're going to have some Harry Potter stuff happening now. Thanks for taking that off show. Also, um, before I say anything, who here works in marketing? I know there's a couple people, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. You guys didn't laugh hard enough
4: to people who work in
0: marketing. This is a... Then I, I, I'm gonna keep my opinions to myself then. But thank you, Charles, for kicking over. No, uh, marketing is great, guys. Uh, let's let's really just let's get out there and make some hot content. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, coming next to the stage, uh, who do we have? Oh, so this gentleman, this is his first time at the show, but he is a veteran uh, stand-up comedian in Chicago. In fact, he co-produces a show called Divide and Conquer the second Thursday of every month at the Laugh Factory. You can see him at the paper machete as Eric Trump, but he is not Eric Trump, thankfully. He is David Carter. <laughs> All right. All right.
2: Well wow, you guys stopped clapping immediately
1: <laughs> 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 you
4: know,
2: to our performers you can just ask for it tonight. That was so easy. Okay. <laughs> You're very attentive. this will be fun. Well, fan fiction is about uh, glorifying the pedantic to me. Uh, so my father Brad Pitt <laughs> <laughs> always always told me the first rule of fatherhood club was um <laughs> st- stop telling people i'm your father right. <laughs> oh brad dad love him uh and it's actually this is about my uh, my father people say fa- friends of my family actually say i look exactly like my dad um which is disheartening because my dad looks more like Brad Garrett than Brad Pitt. <laughs> and if you don't know who Brad Garrett is, he is the older adult son from Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> I can tell some of you hated that joke as much as I hate explaining my references. Uh, turns out everybody does not love Raymond. So, people say I look exactly, my family say I look exactly like my dad. Uh, which I I don't think is true. He's an old man. Uh, (laughs) I took off my cardigan before I came up here. He's he's an old man. I mean, I I, I don't think we look anything alike. I have all my hair. Um, I do not have a beer belly. You know, I I think I, I look like his exact opposite. I mean, for God's sakes, I'm six feet above ground. And that's what the story is about. <laughs> oh, no. If you do not laugh at some of these jokes, then he died for nothing. Please
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> On this journey, um, <laughs> and I call f- it's consider this fan fiction honestly because it's. He lived up to his name, and it's something, this is a good memory that I carry with me, that's probably bigger than what it was, but since it's still with me, I think it's just as important. Um, I know this isn't exactly uh, pot erotica. Uh, my father did not ride a broom. He didn't clean. Although he did ride a hoe. That is a gardening joke, not about my mother. Okay. So, my father passed when I was 12 of small cell lung cancer, which is your immune system sabotaging yourself. It's like writer's block, but on a cellular level. <laughs> uh, and during this experience, he lived in hospice care for most of his time with uh, us in our home. And I got to see him kind of de-evolve physically as my dad, but still stay attentive like the father he tried to be. He became like two different forms of himself. We had chemo dad, And then Sober Dad, which I hadn't seen for years. How do you think we got here? So, remember the rule? Remember the rule. (laughs) So during Chemo Dad, he would say nonsensical things and make us laugh, and we would find humor in those dark moments. Uh, And then he would try to gleam through and be Sober Dad with weird rules and loving moments. And all of these kind of taught me a little lesson of how my dad tried to be my dad when my dad was no longer my dad. So that's my fan fiction. There were certain moments, uh, one example, my twin brother and I were on our patio, on our porch behind a glass door. My father was in his bed sitting up and we were making faces at him. And he was laughing, he was making faces and he couldn't sit up too much because we'd hear the water in his lungs, but then he had a water bottle to hydrate himself. So every time we made a face, he'd make a face. And then he'd spray the water bottle against the window, and we'd all laugh, and my mom would go, God damn it, he uses that to drink! And then we'd all laugh again, (laughs) including him, and then he hit her a few times with the water bottle. And I told you, I thank you, the back of the room. That's how I came through these dark times. And uh, another moment, he still tried to be coherent dad. He came became sober and completely aware at midnight, every single night, uh, and he would snap back, and then my mom told my brother and my sister and I that he was back every midnight, and we all independently without conversing with each other agreed those moments were for her. So our moments was when he tried to come through during the day, like when he was descending initially, um, he was watching golf on the TV, and they just start yelling and cussing at the TV. Just yelling, my mom would run like, "What do you do? What, what's what's wrong?" He's like, "They're fucking up our backyard. They're just fucking up the grass." You remember the hoe joke from earlier? He's fucking up the grass. <laughs> and My mom would like, "Oh, okay." Um, and then she called in my brother and said, "Scott, um, go out in the backyard and run back and forth a few times." He goes, "Why? Just, just just do it. Just go back in the yard." Run back and forth. He goes, uh He runs in the backyard and runs back and forth. My mom gets my dad's attention. She goes, see, see? And when he looks, she changed the channel to something else. And he goes, "Ugh!" thank God. <laughs> because my dad wanted that yard to stay for us. He didn't want someone else to take it away. Another moment, he was watching TV again. This is how the Carters live their lives. He was watching TV again and just called in my brother and said, frantically, Scott, Scott, go wash your hands. I'm like, why? My mom would just go wash your hands. Why, for some reason, he always made my brother run and do stuff. I have no idea, but I got to watch it the entire time, so guess who gets to live with the joke? So he'd go wash his hands, and then he came back, and my mom asked my dad, like, so why did you make Scott go wash his hands? And he goes, well, he has to get ready because I still have to take all the kids at Disney World. I haven't taken the kids at Disney World yet. I was promised he has to go wash his hands. And my mom went, why did that make sense? And he went, oh. And we just started seeing the ticking go down a little bit. And the biggest version of this is what I, I consider my biggest uh, fanfiction moment of him, because it taught me that all these moments were meant to be joyful and funny no matter how dark they were, because he thought they were funny. And that was he called both my brother and I in for the first time. And he was like, he actually asked me first. He goes, David, I have something very, very important to ask you and to talk to you about. And he sit up and we hear the water in his lungs again. And I'm like, okay, it's Sober Dad. Sober Dad's here. And he goes, David, it's very important. What is your favorite car? I'm like, oh, okay. It's Chemo Dad. I'm 12. I have no fucking idea what car. A van. I said van. A van. It's a van. We've always had vans. There's lots of us. It's a van. He goes, okay. Sits up even further. Bad hums. Lungs gurgle. What's your favorite color? It's an odd time to play 20 questions, Dad. I don't know. Um, yellow. Yellow. I'm very colorblind. I can see yellow from a distance. Yellow. And he sits up even more and he waves me in and says, David, I want you to steal a yellow van.
4: <laughs>
2: and I started laughing immediately. My brother was frozen. He had not learned the lesson of everything is funny yet and joyful because we're a family. And I started laughing and he starts laughing and he realized how absurd it is because sober dad's breaking through chemo dad. But then he realized what it meant to him and what it should have meant to me. And then he leans in and with complete seriousness, he says, no, David, I'm serious. I want you to steal a yellow van. Because right now, at the end of my life, I can't give you everything that you want and you deserve. But you deserve everything that you want. So for the rest of your life, I want you to steal anything you could possibly want because I want you to be the happiest person alive. And that's why I've been stealing for over 15 years, ladies and gentlemen, because I believe in him. And this may not be panorotica, but... No fucking golden snitches. Thank you.
0: <laughs> David Carter, everybody. David took my microphone. That's okay. That was great. Thank you so much, David. Give <laughs> it up, guys. All right. So, like I said, we are, we uh, this is going to be a shorter show than usual. We've only got one more act this first half. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of setup here. So, um, the, there's a sponsoring group for this storytelling show called the Nerdalogs. That is a, we formed the sketch comedy group eight years ago. We're about to celebrate our eighth anniversary, and so we are, um, releasing, thank you. Yeah. So we we decided to release an album of some of the, like, songs and sketches that we've written. So this next bit, we're actually recording for the album. So, uh. You'll understand when he's up here, but we need you guys to, like, um, be a really responsive audience, and I think he'll make it easy for you. So uh, are, we, are we ready back there yet? Okay. Uh, well, let me talk a little about the... Uh, yeah. I actually can talk a little about the origins of this character. Um, so I used to own a comic book store, which is something I've talked about a lot on the show, and uh, the, the mascot for that store was... Uh, we called it Stand-Up Comics. Very clever, Right. The mascot for that store was a, a stand-up comedian superhero. Uh, he didn't have any, like, backstory or... <laughs> there was nothing fleshed out about him, but that was just, like, the figure that we drew on all of our, like, uh, advertising and stuff. We called him Stand-Up Guy. And uh, I was... When I joined the Nerdlogs, Kevin was like, oh, you, like, we were talking about sketch ideas, and he goes, this idea of a stand-up comedy superhero is really funny. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I could work on something like that. I didn't draw him. I didn't, like, create him. One of my artist partners did, but... You know, he stole $20,000 from me, so I guess I can take a character he drew and make a better version of it. So with all that said, please put your hands... Wait, I need to actually... um, I need to set this up as though it's on the album. All right. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Punchline, the hero of A Thousand Laughs. Yeah!
1: Thank you. Thank you. I just flew in from Philadelphia, and boy is my cape tired. (laughs) No. (laughs) Thank you. I, of course, am just kidding. I do have superpowers, but flight (laughs) is not one of them. Um, So my name is Punchline. I am the hero of 1,000 laughs. Some of you may recognize me from Tuesdays at the Funny Bone Comedy Club, where I work co check. Uh, but yes, yes, I am a comedian and a superhero. So you may be wondering what my superpowers are. Well, other than being devastatingly handsome. <laughs> I also feed off of the energy of the crowd before me, so when I tell jokes and you laugh and you cheer, I grow strong. And if for some reason you were to groan, boo, or be silent, then I would grow weak <laughs> possibly even die. <laughs> Although it would have to take some real bad jokes to get there. <laughs> Okay, so uh, as I mentioned, I am a superhero. This is real. I really am. Uh, It means I get to hang out with the other superheroes, which is pretty cool. Been a big year for uh, the Avengers. Uh, I was hanging out with Thor recently, and boy, does he get all the attention. Personally, I prefer hanging out with his brother. He's low-key. Thank you. As a superhero, I get to, to travel frequently. That's real. It's true. was in Europe recently, doing a lot of uh, shows there. You know the best part about living in Switzerland? Well, neither do I, but the flag is a big plus. Thank you. I get to travel off planet sometimes. That's a blast. This is real. I didn't even mean that. But, uh, you know, I, I recently got to try the, uh, the new restaurant on the moon. Yeah, this is real. This really happened. I would strongly recommend checking it out. They have great food, but no atmosphere. (laughs) Thank you. Um, This has been great, I have one more joke for you obviously, because I'm about to bring the house down. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) Did you guys... Did you guys hear that they opened up a new zoo in Gary, Indiana? The Gary, Indiana Zoo? This is real! Look it up! (laughs) It's not a very good zoo, though. I do not recommend it. They only had one exhibit. It was a dog. I don't even know what kind of dog it was. I mean... To think of it, it was a Shih Tzu. (laughs) 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 Thank you. You have been Punchline, and I have been great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I was counting, and I think we got to right around 1,000. It was at least like 982 or something like that. I'm going to do a solo song here. Um, This is originally by Katy Perry, written for Miss Kelly Clarkson, Uh, I am doing a version, uh, so I don't know if you guys know the Gaslight Anthem, they're like this, uh, punk band from Jersey, their singer Brian Fallon, uh, did a cover when he was on a radio show that I thought was just out of this world, so that's what I'm gonna do. Um, Brian just put out a new album last week, I guess I'll do this in tribute to him. Uh, one of my favorite things about him is that it sounds like everything he's saying he believes and a long time ago someone said that that's what it sounded like when I sang so we'll see if that's true of a cover of a cover of a song written by someone else but uh, he's called I Do Not Hook Up." See if you believe me sweetheart put the bottle down you've got too much talent i see it through those bloodshot eyes there's a cure you found it slow motion sparks you've caught the chill now don't deny it but girls will be girls oh yes they will they don't want to define it, just give up the game and get into me. If you're looking for thrills, then get cold feet. And oh no, I do not hook up, up. I go slow. So if you want me, I don't go cheap. Keep your head in my hand and your heart on your sleeve. Oh no, I do not hook up, up I fall deep cause the more that you try The harder I'll fight to say goodnight I can't cook, no, but I can clean Up the mess she left down Lay your head down and feel the beat As I kiss your forehead This may not last, but this is now Baby, love the one you're with want to chase, but you're chasing your tail A quick fix won't ever get you well Oh, I do not hook up, up, I go slow So if you want me, I don't come cheap Put your head in my hand and your heart on your sleeve oh, oh, I do not hook up, up, I go slow Cause the harder more that you try, the harder I fight to say goodnight Cause the feel, the distance between us Could be over, with the snap of your finger I do not hook up, up. I go slow, so if you want me, I don't come cheap. Put your head and your hand and your heart on your sleeve. Oh no, I do not hook up. up. I fall deep and the more that you try, the harder I'll fight to say He's an incredible performer, definitely in that Springsteen vein. You can tell he's from Jersey. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all.
1: I am grabbot23548x.